Welcome to Stone Alchemy. I'm Mikey D on the side of the mic, and my buddy Russ is on the other. Join us around this mystical fire, and we'll attempt to make gold of any leaden topic, and vice versa. From pizza on Boiker to mushroom secrets from Zeta Reticuli, and everything in between. Nothing is off topic when you dabble in Stone Alchemy. Pizzo, Nick Sandow said. He was about to do the second film with us. Us being me, Russ, and Dave, aka Magic Vision Films. We had one more role to cast. Johnny Pizzo, the villain, the antagonist, the malefactor, the wrongdoer, the black hat of the short film Joey Nero that we were about to roll cameras for. It would tell the tale of a strange, lonely misfit painter who collected keys by the dozen and spouted Machiavelli as he wandered the streets collecting treasures that might be trash of you and me, all while dressed in a worn and paint-dabbled green jumpsuit. Alone in his cluttered, dark apartment, he takes his anger and frustration out on his canvas with violent splashes of cadmium, yellow ochre, titanium white, burnt sienna, they were blue. He plays chess with a figment of his dark imaginings, plotting to one day take over the world. He takes solace, trying to learn sign language, to converse with the deaf girl he has an attraction to, while trying to clear his thoughts of his tormentors, Fotch, Nudge, and Pizzo. Pizzo, a nasty local wise guy wannabe, a creep, a jerk, an abuser, a user. We met the actor one night and gave him the script. He seemed perfect for the role. His name was Vinny, Vincent, Vincent Pastor, a club owner from New Rochelle who was beginning to dabble as a thespian. In less than a decade, he would become the most beloved and remembered character of the greatest TV show ever. But that was in the future. Now he was just Vinny from some small town past the Bronx, and he agreed to play the part. This little film had a couple of other actors who too would go on to bigger and grander motion pictures and television programs. Louie and Frank, but they too were newbies and awaiting the future fame that would be bestowed upon them, especially Louis, who would play alongside Vinny in The Sopranos, as well as Tattoo in the short-lived remake of Fantasy Island. Frank had a memorable role in The Shawshank Redemption the heartbreaking role of the prisoner beaten naked in his cell. But during the days filming Joey Nero, they awaited anxiously for news if their first feature roles in a low-budget indie film called Amongst Friends would make it into the Sundance Film Festival. Flubbing their lines and annoying Nick Sandow, who himself had great success looming ahead. We were there, me, Dave, and Russ, when they were paged by the film director. 
No one had cell phones in those days, in the early 90s, and I let Louie and Frank make the call from my kitchen. The news was great. The film made it into Sundance. A confession must be made. I was jealous. I envied them, heading off to such an honor and the fame that followed. Days before we filmed, we had what was to be our final rehearsal in Russ's apartment. We did a read-through. My sister Laura played the role of the deaf-mute girl, and her performance was so convincing. Even in the read-through, Louie was fooled into thinking she was really without speech. The big climax scene would take place upon the rooftop, so why not stage it? Let's run through the final scene on the roof, I suggested. Vinny looked at me as if I had an additional head sprouting from my knees. It's dark, he protested. That's okay, I said. Well, how can I read my script? If we may, let's freeze this moment. It was here where the fatal flaw was made. The armor chinked, the ego poked, the sensitivity of the thespian heart pierced like a stiletto swipe. It was there where words were proven to be more dangerous than sticks, stones, or weapons of war. Six words, twenty letters of the English alphabet, a simple statement spoken matter-of-factly. Don't you have your lines memorized? It was asked innocently, I swear. I had assumed since we were shooting in a day, the words had been committed to his memory. But an ass of you and me indeed I made. Vinny jumped to his feet as if his ass was bitten by a dog by a rabid, mongrel dog. Are you accusing me of being unprofessional? No, Vinny, I just, you just what? Don't think I know what I'm doing? No, I'm out of here. A chorus of, ah, Vinny, come on, he didn't mean, no, I'm professional, and I won't be insulted. And he stormed out of the apartment. Dave and I rushed after him. On 6th Avenue, off Bleecker Street, it must have been quite a sight. Two young directors chasing Big Pussy, pleading with him to reconsider. He was marching off into the night, fuming. Steam rose from his face and wisps that dissipated into the streetlight. His heavy footsteps, like a Clydesdale hooves, pounding his angry soundtrack. His beefy hands waving us off. Dave and I finally stopped on our tracks and watched as he vanished into the crowd of West Village pedestrians. We looked to each other and shrugged and smiled with a sense of utter disbelief. Back in the apartment, we sat in silence a moment. Nick said he talked to Vinny, but it didn't look good. We lost our piso. The next day, Vinny called and said Vinny was still pissed. There was only one thing to do. We had to whack Big Pussy. I had the button. I had to push it. My weapon, the phone. Hello, came a gruff voice that would in a few years become a familiar and beloved one. But on this day, he was just Vinny from New Rochelle. Yeah, it's me, Mike. Yeah. I guess it's best you don't do the movie. A moment of silence, and then... Yeah, whatever. Not sure who of us hung up first. Maybe he was expecting an apology. The energy had been ruined. It wouldn't have worked. Days later, Nick introduced us on set while we were shooting a chess scene to another actor buddy of his, Johnny. Johnny Fry. We auditioned him on the spot and hired him. We thought he would be perfect, and he did a great job. Big Pussy, though, would return in our first feature film a few years later. All mended. He was a total pro. And we got to load him up with squibs, and Nick whacked the shit out of him with five shots. 
we got to whack Big Pussy twice before he ever officially donned that unforgettable name with his unforgettable character in an unforgettable TV show. Welcome to Stoned Alchemy. I'm Russ, and my buddy Mike is on the, the way side. on the other side of the mic over there. Oh, that's right. We are now on different places. We, normally, we would do this on a, on the rooftop or just from across town. I would be on the east side. Russ was on the west side. Now, I'm, I'm in I'm New York the, City. And I'm and on the way west side. Where are you exactly, Russ? I, I'm, I'm someplace near Phoenix, Arizona, hiding wow. out in a shelter in the middle of a <laughs> desert. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm out in I'm out I'm out in Phoenix right now. Yeah, we just did the whole move, drive across the country. Uh, an incredible adventure. I, I highly recommend it. Um, and it was recommend exciting. Moving, recommend moving to Arizona. Or recommend taking. Well, I, I recommend the drive at least. <laughs> I just got here, so I'm still getting used to it. A oh, lot of a, weird stuff. A but, change, uh, definitely a different world. I bet. Major change. It's it's a bit warmer, you might say. Oh, that's that that I like. Definitely drier. Your hair dries very quickly. Um, all that kind of stuff. But uh. It was an exciting adventure to see the entire country. It was wonderful. I really recommend it. But our tales today are a film called Joey Nero, which we did many, many years ago. And uh, the tale we just listened to is one by Mike, and it's called The Day I Whacked Big Pussy. Is that correct? That's it. And uh, we actually, well, in a sense, we did whack Big Pussy because... In our film, Joey Nero, which starred Nick Sandow and uh, some others we'll talk about, but Vinny Pastor, now this was way before he did The Sopranos, uh, was, he, was a fr- he was friends with Nick, and uh, Nick said, I got a good guy to play this role of, what was it, Tony Pizzo was the character name? Johnny Pizzo, yeah. and uh, who was like the, the thug in the neighborhood. Vinny was, was going to play, play the role, and as, as the story told, well, you, you see what happened. The story kind of explained it all. He was whacked, that's for sure. He whacked us, and we whacked him. We whacked each other. But uh, chasing remember... him down. I'll never forget that night chasing him down Sixth <laughs> Avenue. And, I don't want nothing to do with you guys. I'm, I'm dumb. I'm out of here. He was really pissed. I mean, <laughs> he was pissed. And I guess I, I'm not an actor, so I don't know. I mean, I guess you can't tell actors how to deliver lines. Well, it wasn't that. It was. I think it was that I. But it was about him. memorization or something. Well, I, I, right. I accused him of uh, of not knowing his lines yet because we were shooting the next day. And well, one, you know, like well, like the story just said, we were going to go on the roof to rehearse. And uh, and it was dark out, so he didn't want to do it because it was dark. And I and I made the mistake of saying, "Oh, well, don't you know your lines yet?" <laughs> so <laughs> and I guess I shouldn't. You know, looking back, you know, I guess some actors, you know, wait till the night just don't memorize it the night before. I don't know. Maybe I think most do. Before, but I think also he was at a point in his career where he hadn't his career wasn't really going anywhere. So here he was working with us schmucks. <laughs> he might, yeah, he's true. He he might have had his own pressures. It was probably just bad bad timing for for all of yeah. us. But uh, I remember him sitting on my stairs in, in the apartment and uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden he yelling ensues and he runs out the door. We're chasing him down the stairs and, and you guys and you and Dave hey, go run out in the street. You're chasing him through the village. And I'm like, uh, OK, you know what? now when what? We got to, when we got to like a whole block, I was like, you know what? Forget it. He's not he wasn't going to his mind wasn't going to be changed that night anyway. So no, no. It, it took a couple of years before we would ever work with him again. That's right. But, uh, but that <laughs> but, night we were rehearsing with was well the other guy that's in it was Louis Lombardi who mm-hmm. was who has worked with 
Vinny Pastore on The Sopranos when we played the FBI agent. When, when you know, Vinny, when, when I when, saw that in The Sopranos, you know, like the scene you're talking about, because Louis plays a detective or FBI, or, yeah, FBI, FBI right? And there's a and I was wow, I worked with these guys. It was so yeah. cool to see him in a scene together. In a car together, we, in a we, car, we shot playing, a scene with the two yeah. of them in a car too. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty wild. Uh, and my sister played, uh, was it, what's uh, Carmen? No, not Carmen. That's a, that's a no exit character. Carmela? Is it Carmela? No. What was the, what was the character, character's name in, in Joey? Uh, I'm actually blanking on it. But then she played, she was deaf. She was a deaf mute. And uh, Nick played Joey Nero. And then we had that uh, Otis, who was sort of the imaginary friend of, mm-hmm. of the Joey Nero character. It was played by a, an ex-cop, right? Uh, yeah, I, can't the act- I wish I could remember the actor's mm-hmm. name, but... It was he wasn't he had done only a couple of things, but he he did a good job for uh, he did for what he had he, to do. He played that character well because because in the film, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the character that you see him as is actually a teddy bear. So he's kind of like a a big teddy bear right. of of a guy. He's very consoling, very warm, mm-hmm. inspiring figure. And then uh, as Joey Nero, he plays chess with him, and it's a literal game of chess in Joey Nero's mind. And as you know. Go paint yourself a pretty little yellow. He's yeah. trying to encourage him to relax and go find talk love. to the girl right. and exactly. find love and happiness. Don't be so hateful and hatred because Joey Nero was he had all those books. He had Mein Kampf in there. He had Nietzsche. He had uh, he, he had that dark streak in his well, character. Was, well, the we developed guy, that character really well. Well, he wanted he he had a delusions of Machiavellian delusion. Well, you know, yeah. wanted to take over the world. And uh, but he was just a lonely, you know, misfit who was abused by the, some local idiots, including well, there was Louis Lombardo, Lombardi, and, and Frank Madrano, Frank Madrano, uh, who were Foch and Nudge, and they <laughs> were and they used to bug, they used to nudge poor Joey Nero, and then uh, Joey Pizzo was sort of the, the the thug, the big wannabe mafia guy in the neighborhood, who really would abuse Joey. Yeah. And, uh, so so Joey Nero, you know, just wanted to just stay in his the, the isolation of his home and paint. But he had these delusions of like you're gonna become this dictator who's gonna take over the entire world. Yeah. And that was just his psychological problems, you know, not being able to cope. Yeah, not being able to cope with with the people in his neighborhood and stuff. He, you know, he needed to get out of that neighborhood. But uh, and he, that and did, he develops that didn't a crush well. on this local, you know, the deaf mute girl. He, he gets, develops a crush on her, and uh, and who else is in it? Then oh, then there's the kid who plays Joey as a young, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little flashback at the end. Uh, that's a local. That was a local kid from my neighborhood, old neighborhood, who's now like 30 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I see him on Facebook. Uh, so Hopefully, uh, he he grew up to be relatively normal. I he is good. Yeah, he, no, he's a good guy. Actually, no, no, he actually grew up to be a, a very well-adjusted, good good guy. He's married. Uh, nice guy. Because most people we tend to work with in film don't usually end up that way. Well, Joey, well, no, Johnny <laughs> Fry, who who took over oh, the role of Vinny uh, Pastor, yeah. was a really good actor. He was in No Exit. It's been yeah. a lot of things. Uh, passed away recently, which is sad because he wasn't that old. I mean, he was like no. maybe sixty. Yeah, uh, he some heart issues. Was it with his heart? No, I, I don't know if it was his heart or he. I remember Craig mentioning he had some kind of a scar, and and it, I, I, you know what? I don't remember what the disease. He had mm. some. He had some medical issues that go went back, you know, back to the days we were shooting. So uh, he's had some. It's it's unfortunate, but <clears throat> I'll never forget. He went out. He used to go out with Rip Torn's daughter. Ripped uh, one, the actor, yeah. The actor. Johnny went out with I'll never forget the story Nick told us about driving him it was him, Johnny Fry, and, and Rip Torn's daughter. And they they were in the back seat fighting through the as as Nick was driving through the hills. 
And that, they, they came to a stop and like they threw her out of the car or he threw, she threw him out of the car. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but it was an ugly scene. And uh, yeah, in, Ho- in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, in Hollywood Hills. Yeah. And I mean, no, Johnny had a temper. Johnny, Johnny was a tough, uh, tough kitchen guy. Yeah, these guys. He, he was a tough guy. That guy. He, was a, yeah. he was a strong motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and had a bit of a temper, too. So. I think a lot of the guys we worked with were real street guys, but yeah. but they found a, a greater calling in life. They pulled themselves out of the neighborhood they realize that there's a lot more than just sitting around fighting or, or beating people up or doing shit like no, that. No, absolutely. And you know, we'll take a guy like Louis Lombardi, boy. He he has yeah. a fantastic career. I mean, he's been in hundreds of things. Yeah. Uh, he's got his own line of tomato sauce. And, he's, <laughs> and if you ever see interviews with him, he is the nice. He's just so excited about life. You know, he's just a, such a positive spirit. Uh, he's a great guy. Really great guy. Uh, when you mentioned uh, about the what Laura played the character, I wish I could remember the name. But my, my uncle Vinny was was deaf. He he helped on the production to teach her some oh, basic right. sign language and uh, basic signing skills to make it more believable in the film. And he but, lived in your building, right? He lived in my yeah. building. Yeah, that's where we shot a lot of this film was in Russell's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and I know Russell wasn't too thrilled yeah. about that. I'm certain. We'll get days. into that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't the first time though. But uh, we actually shot the the different schools trailer that we did in your apartment. Yeah, right. some of. But this was a much Oh a, yeah, we had a we basically transformed your apartment into Joey Nero's place. Yeah, we did all the stuff. Oh geez, yeah, it was. I mean, describe was, what your living room looked like. Well, it's everything was cleared out. Uh, like the the main all living furniture that you would think would be in an apartment was kind of moved around into the bedroom so we could put props in. So we had Joey Nero's character it became his domain. We had that great chessboard that was lit underneath so it yeah, was a chessboard right. that cool, glowed yeah. with the black and white and uh nick had his canvas for painting a big and, table uh, of junk remember? big table of junk electronic parts books well that was his line he goes so one man's stuff. one man's treasure another man's garbage yeah, yeah that was his, yeah. his philosophy of life so he collected crap and he had a lot of keys and the, key, he had the about man with the keys, keys is the man with the power exactly man with the keys man with the power he had um, like a hundred keys on a keychain that he would Remember Frank William Barty? What do you need all these keys for? <laughs> what do you they need all these keys? What's the matter with you? About ten pounds of keys. <laughs> they would just walk around with that. Uh, yeah, and, and Nick, you know, is a method actor. When he was preparing for this role, he he, he was a very different person. Um, he lost a lot of weight. I was getting worried about him. You know, I had I didn't have much to eat myself, but you know, he would come over. And I was like, you have to eat something. You know, I was like, I got some bread. He's like, no, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, but he would give me the list of things he would need. I'd buy him the, these cheap cigarettes, like, I don't know, Tonto brand cigarettes or something. <laughs> you know, they were like 50 cents a pack. And, 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 and he, lived it, he lived in that green jumpsuit. He jumps. lived. Oh, man. I, I see him on the street and he would be in the, in the boiler suit, you know, the outfit he had on. And really gaunt with a big gunny sack over it, you know, the big sack yep. of stuff. There's things he's, he's picking. He's, he's going through the garbage on the street. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, we're not it. making a movie now. Come on. <laughs> Method uh, Nick was like that, man. He would get, he would it's become, serious. he would transform himself and live as the character. Uh, it was, pretty, it was pretty very funny. impressive to see, but it was disconcerting because it was the first time I witnessed that kind of behavior. I didn't know how much he can get into the character. And he would just, stop, you know, I'm all right. I'm all right, Russ. Well, I remember shooting the scene on the stoop with with William Barty and Frank Madrano. Frank Madrano, by the way, was has a great role in uh, Shawshank Redemption. There's the scene where 
he there's the prisoner and the, the naked kind of a chubby naked prisoner and they're beating him that's frank Medrano. Mm, yeah that's powerful. it's a real disturbing classic scene in that film mm-hmm. but anyway so the two of them see what was going on at the time was both of them frank and and, and Louie, were in a uh, a film called amongst friends which was which was up for being in in the sundance film festival mm-hmm. so while we were filming they were waiting for the call to find out if the film made it so they were distracted and I remember they didn't know their lines well. And I remember Nick Sando a couple of times just getting really pissed at them for not knowing their lines. I remember he, he took his that bag over his shoulder and he flung it. And the two, I saw the expression on those two guys' face like, oh. <laughs> yeah, he didn't like that at all. I mean, uh, but they were under a lot of pr- they were wait. They were literally waiting for. Well, the we call. were there when, when when it was when they got the beep. Yeah. And they said, oh, cool. Use your. They, back then we didn't have cell phones, so they came in my house. They used my phone. And uh, Willie was on the phone and he hung it up and said, well, we got in, we got in. So the film made it into Sundance and it did well. And that film, the filmmaker, I don't know what he went on to do after that, but uh, that got some attention uh, amongst friends. And oh, Willie yeah, and Frank um, are very funny in it. Uh, they're, there's, there's a, they're, they're sort of like these Bopsy twins type characters in, in the film. They work well together. I mean, they did because they, they would play off their humor. They knew each other yeah. well enough, you know, which mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> that was something else. Them waiting for the call. But most of it went pretty well. I mean, I think the actors did a great job. Everything went fairly well. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, I mean, like there's some of them weren't. The, there were a couple of actors who were in it that were not, you know, professional actors, but they they, <laughs> they did well. Um, I still remember that gun. Uh, we had this because the, the ending involves a gun with with Joey Pizzo, and uh, I still have that gun. I, I painted it, that. You painted it. You yeah, created. I, I you took like I an old a, bl- like blank cap gun. Yeah, and I took you converted a cheap it into old... like a cheap like yeah. untraceable handgun yeah i mean i did I even like a special like modeling paint for, yep. for plastic models so i made it look like it was really a real mm-hmm. usable 38 special or something where like a saturday tape night around special. the handle like like on the yeah. godfather yeah my dad taught me that first thing you gotta do is put tape around the handle so they don't you know they, they can't trace your fingers yeah what i understand is wouldn't it be fingerprints all over that if it's tape or do you uh, take yeah, that supposedly it doesn't well it doesn't absorb it like a like metal I think absorbs fingerprints. I mean, I don't know. That's, Unless you that's take it off after you use it. Unless you take off the tape. <laughs> I, don't know. I never, I never figured that, that out. Though, right? No, I don't know. No. Uh, yeah, anyway, I was wondering about question. it. I still, I still have that that prop. Wow. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. And it's going back. I found, I found the sword. Remember? Oh, that's right. He had the cane sword. Those cane sword. Yeah, I got that someplace amongst some of the stuff I have stashed away. You, did you? What did I have to a canvas that Nick, that Joey Nero paints on? Oh, I, I gave it back to him. Yeah. Get back to, to Nick. Went, I, I had it, and I was like, look. You know, I want to keep it, but this is something you made, you know, and um, it was huge. It was like oh, about yeah. 10 feet by 10. It was 10 foot square. A giant canvas. A huge yeah. piece of canvas. And uh, I said one day, well, you know, do you want it back? He was like, yeah, I'll take it back. I'll take it back. Uh, the character was was a frustrated artist. So when Nick was preparing for the role, he was like, I need to have paint. I need this. I need this. I need whatever I need for painting. So I, I'm like, Mr. Producer, I'll spend five bucks on paint. <laughs> So I bought like this these cheap poster for kindergarten kids, you know the the cheap yeah the big jar the jars like you so the huge gallon jars of the stuff. And I give it to him. He's like, I I can't use this rust, you know. Yeah, I do. It's, it's oils. Like um, yeah, it's like, broke our budget. He paid for almost all that stuff himself because yeah. he just didn't have the money. He he just did it. He bought the canvas. He got all the the painting tools and uh, yeah, that was a cool mural. I remember that. It was. It was ghastly. It was horrific. Yes, it was. Doom and of, the, like dark. It was like black and red, and it was like yeah, it was. What's that famous Picasso of? Uh, there's a ma- massive mural that Picasso did, and it's like death. <laughs> it's 
I don't know if it's a bullfight or something. It's about, I forgot what, anyway, it was a mural of death. That's what it was. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty dark. It was pretty ugly too, actually. Yeah, it was pretty ugly. Bullfight? You said Picasso bullfight painting? Yeah, I think it's a bullfight painting. I can't remember what it's called. No, that's, let's see. Oh, this one. Maybe it's not a bullfight. Maybe, maybe it was something more violent than that. Bullfight death of the Torador. That could Mm -hmm. be it. That's got a lot of red and blood, a lot of like. Silk material well, he, is supposed to be blown. During that one, I forgot what period it was, but he, he painted a lot of gloomy stuff. Um, yeah. But anyway. Um, Nick, Nick, want to be gloomy? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, yeah. He loves He's, playing the gloomy character. He, I mean, oh. I think he really got into that role. Yeah. He really got into that role. It's an interesting character. I, actually, I wish we could... I'm, we, did we Did we try to make a copy, but it, the audio was terrible on it? We, the audio was, completely is gone. I uh, think somewhere it might have the original film huh. and, and print. In mm. storage of the check. Remember the opening shot we, we threw the garbage can? Yeah, that's a Slow great shot. shot. Yeah, we wanted to have something for the opening credits that was interesting for the background. So we we the Tom Anello had took his camera, it was on a I guess on a dolly, and we had it zoomed in as really, really, really close to a garbage can mm. and very slowly dollied across its surface. Mm. And that was the background shot yeah, it looked for really cool. the title sequence, that was which is cool. Yeah, and then it's it a couple of good shots like the that. Cover comes off the garbage can, and mm. the shot is from inside the garbage can, looking up. You put the camera on like a low hat or something, and you're looking yeah. up. So I had the yeah. shot. It was it was cool. It was a nice. It was a cool opening. Uh, yeah, t- Tom Tom did a great job, and uh, he really gave it more than his all. I remember. It looked good. Yeah. It, it looked really good. Visually, it looks good. Um, I wish the sound came up. It's barely audible. It's noisy. Well, that's because the quality. I did, I, I did the, both the music for that as well, and audio recording. So a lot of the work. That I worked really hard on. Also, is in well. Order. I gotta see if I could sh- if I have the print. Uh, next time I go to storage, I'll see if that print is there because then we could maybe get a transfer to. Uh, mm. Which, uh, an aside, we have to do it no exit as well, but that's another story. Um, mm.